is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, everyone. Welcome to Real Kipper and Born. It's an exciting day today. Sam, Cam, all day long. Sammy, uh, how are you, fella? Doing really well. Um, not as uncomfortable as I thought I would be sitting here with you, I guess. <laughs> uh, coming out from behind the glass, it's okay. I mean, I have hosted shows in the studio a lot of times. Yes. So the lights are a little brighter with this show, mm-hmm. like figuratively and kind of literally. <laughs> you know, like, a little different story between doing this and Sportsnet tonight. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm happy to be here. Yeah. All, all our options were unavailable. So here I am. That's, you know, and that's not even fair. I feel like <laughs> you should be option one. <laughs> From now on, but yes, no, uh, Kipper, Kipper not feeling so great today, so uh, you're not going to get his hot take about the, the Horvat trade until, well, tomorrow, most likely. Probably, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's the big news of the day. Bo Horvat gets traded to the New York Islanders, my New York Islanders, and, and listen, I know, we're a Leaf show, but got some ties, and what number is he going to wear? Yeah. He's doing 14, my dad's old number. And I um, feel very guilty because when I first exclaimed that he was going to be wearing 14, a guest that we have coming up later in the show, Thomas Hickey, who wore 14, I'm like, wasn't that Hickey's number? And you <laughs> yeah, look at me and you're like, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's what My everyone says number. when he wears 14. Wasn't that Thomas Hickey's number? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, we are going to be joined later in the show by uh, Thomas Hickey, who, uh, you know, former NHLer, almost 500 games. Uh, and he's an Islanders uh, analyst for MSG. We're going to be joined by J.D. Bunkus. At 3.45, Bunk's going to come in and chat about the Leafs, all things uh, going on with them. And Jim Ralph is going to join us in like 20 minutes. Sounds good. So we got like a pretty good show. So we didn't get a chance to uh, have any sort of reaction to the Horvat trade. Mm-hmm. Had the day to sort of process what's happened. Um, uh, this is the only trade I've ever seen online where everyone is called, where most people are like, did both teams lose this trade? Yeah. I don't know. What's your uh, initial thought? I th- it reminded me at first blush of when they traded for Pajot. Remember mm-hmm. when they traded for Pajot and they were kind of out of it? And yep. it was sort of surprising that they did it. And then they immediately signed him to a long-term const- con- uh, extension. So that kind of reminded me of that. But I, I thought it was a little weird. Like, this is not to do with the, either side of the trade. Yeah. But isn't it a little weird they traded him before the All-Star break? This wasn't going to be there in five days? Yeah. Is that I, not gutless? I, He's your representative I, for your team. I feel like Lou Lamorello could not care less. But it's not on Lou's side. Patrick couldn't be like, hey, Lou, yeah. you know, the, we're trying to grow the game, I guess, by having this weird all-star game. And, yeah. you know, we're sending all these guys down there. Like, could we maybe wait until next Monday to announce this baby so he can have the weekend as a Canuck representing us? He's been a good captain for a long time. True. And Lou, I guess Lou was just like, I don't give a crap. Too bad. It's we're now or never. You think that must have been it? I do wonder, and, you know, one thing I was thinking of is, like, part of the reason someone asked um, Alvin about doing it now and do you think he would have got more at the deadline? Yeah. He's healthy now. Yeah. And, like, you don't know at the All-Star game just another chance oh for God, him to imagine? not be healthy. Yeah, I And guess. it's a major asset loss. So I don't know if that's just... <laughs> the way these All-Star games, the only, I think the worst thing is going to get is a sunburn. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Might be his the worst injury. Yeah, IR three to four days with the uh, aloe vera. <laughs> I can see that, but no, that's that is a good point. That like you know, it seemed a little inconsiderate. The, but still, they got what they got. The mm-hmm. return is, you know, it's interesting because Bavillier was a guy that a lot of people, myself included, mm-hmm. loved when yep. Islanders had him early going. 
and still really fun player to watch. Really fast, really skilled, but he makes four plus mm-hmm. and he's on pace to not get 20 goals again, mm-hmm. 25. So reclamation for the, the Canucks. Uh, Atu Ratu is... Hell of a handle. It is. Like and that's I, a superstar name. I heard him say it. Mm. And he, it's all like one word, and he really hits the double A, and there's a U at the end, so it's Aturatu. Oh, so if you like, were a, yeah, I was gonna say, if you're like <laughs> a stud in Europe, I guarantee they'd have a chant at his home barn for oh, that yes. guy. Like they'd be clapping and singing for. It's too Aturatu. perfect. Aturatu. It's great. <laughs> it is a good handle. So he's a nice prospect for them, but I think if you're the Islanders. You know, what's he going to top out as sort of a second, third line guy? Bo mm-hmm. Horvat's definitely a second, arguably a first line guy. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you can ex- sign him for another eight years or whatever contract you like, I don't know. Would you, you, you like it for the Canucks? I think you were right saying that both teams kind of lost it. Yeah. But I also think that, listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Canucks have been well run over the past three months. I'd right. probably look like a, you know, my first time. I mean, front of the glass i'm saying that <laughs> not gonna one. be that guy but i i think this must have been close to the best offer out there yeah like i think it's more of a buyer's market than you know there's a lot of kind of crappy teams yes if you look at it like the eastern conference there's three teams kind of at the bottom that can make it you look at the west there's not a lot of great teams right there's a lot of teams trying to get rid of their guys for sort of high value here and i mean not to bring it back to the Leafs, but seeing this this trade get made it does give me a little bit of hope that Maybe they can get an impact guy without having to deal in uh, Matthew Nice. Yeah. Like maybe it'll be one of the guys that, you know, the, the gold bucket boys over in Finland, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a Topi Aroni and one of those guys that's going to be the guy that yeah. may be a centerpiece. So I, I thought from that perspective, I was surprised, but to get a first round pick. So it's protected this year. So it's protected this and year. Unprotected. If it's, that's right. So uh, top 12 protected pick this year so if they fall inside that the islanders keep it and then the mm-hmm. next year would be an unprotected pick so if you're from a canucks fan perspective if you're looking at the long game here you're hoping to hell that goes over to 2024 right you know, i was thinking that too but you know lou does not seem willing to just go like they are not going to just go down and try to lose mm-hmm. so let's say this year they finish in that bottom 12 you know it would have been a top 12 pick and they keep it you know, are you sure they're going to be that low the next year? Or do you think Lou's going to trade away more assets to try to climb the standings? And Yeah, so, I don't know, this is kind of a hard conversation to ha- have. But, like, how much of this is about his age? And I think it's a fair question. see his team win. Yeah, and, yeah, that's great. And, like, his legacy and his future employment with the Islanders, mm-hmm. you know, I've had conversations with people in Long Island that are like, listen, you know, ownership doesn't love some of these decisions. The cupboards are kind of bare. This will be the fourth straight year, potentially, that the Islanders won't have a first-round pick. Wow. You know, that's... That's a lot of years in a row. Crushing. That, you know, that could hurt you down the road. So, yeah, there is some self-preservation and also some, you know, instant results going on here that are interesting. But again, Horvat's 27. Yeah. And so if they keep him, it changes the entire tenor of the conversation to me. And, you know, you look at the best teams who win cups. They have that one-two punch down the middle. If you're Barzal Horvat, Brock Nelson, Casey Sezikis. Yeah, it's not terrible. You're pretty good. Yeah. So from the Canucks perspective, I'm surprised that they wanted a guy back that has any sort of money at all. Like we talk about their cup, yeah. their cap issues, maybe they needed to do this because they they retained a little bit of it too, didn't they? they? You know, I think yeah, they did. They, yeah. I think th- the way to look at that is like the Islanders needed to do it to get Horvat. Yes. So it's like really they're trying. It's like 
Raw two and a pick, and maybe could the Canucks flip Bavillier? Yeah, that's potential. But just to me, I would not be trying to trade for anybody that could potentially make me like even half decent. Yeah, right. Like that's I mean, true too. I guess he's having a sort of a down year this year. Not a lot of positive things said about Bavillier. I don't think out of the no. Islanders camp. It's always a my favorite thing to do when a trade is made is go to the Twitter account of the team that makes a trade and, and see what fans yeah. are saying. For example, the, this is a way out of left field, but the Jays signed Chad Green today, yeah. who was a reliever for the New York Yankees, who's always kind of been a thorn in the side of the Jays and a guy that's like... Strikes you know, out a lot of guys, yeah. right? Yeah. And I went to like the mentions of the tweet, the guy who broke it, and all the Yankees fans are like, no, no. Oh, and I'm and like, like, all right. Okay, good. <laughs> and I went and I looked at the Islanders one. They're like, oh my God, like, thank God. Like, yeah. there's a lot of like, you know... When you're capstrap, he would be their Kerfoot. Yes. You know, and you mentioned that as like... You know, if that's their trade, so you Kerfoot's him. Yes. And then, you know, is it Roni or Topi or, <laughs> you know, and not Nice? Yeah. You know, is there a way to make that? It's actually like, is Robertson worth more or less than the Ronies and Topis? By the way, Roni, Hervinen, and Topi Niemela yes. are, you know, two higher end prospects of the Leafs. I, it's hard for me to say that, like, I don't, I don't want to kick a guy while he's literally down, but it's hard for me to picture that Nick Robertson has much value at all. I know. Right? Yeah. Like, what? I mean, if everyone wants to see him come back if, and play before they sure. trade anything. And even when he did have a run of games this year, like he had an awesome first game yeah. where he scored two goals, including the overtime winner against his brother. And everybody's like, oh my God, he's different. And then he was kind of the same guy for a month. And then yeah. he got hurt again, which is like, you know, it's unlucky. It is. He's a smaller guy. It's what happens. But I can't picture him being the centerpiece of anything. Like what team like is going to covet him? No, you're right. He doesn't get traded at the deadline because there's no, no. way to estimate his value. Which and it feels like we'll be having this conversation again next year at yeah. next year's deadline i know be like is this the guy that maybe you know like is he gonna be in the league yeah. or i don't know i don't know with him we've had a lot of conversations about nick robertson and i think yeah. that the unknown of topi and roni would probably be a little bit more enticing than yeah. the somewhat known of nick robertson it is oh one thing before we mm. move on from horvat that i wanted to suggest there's re here's a roundabout theory of why this is good for the Leafs. Mm. So the Islanders are currently two points out of a playoff spot. They just added Bo Horvat. Let's say they get in as the eight seed. Who do they get? Mm. Boston. Okay. The Islanders, the Islanders are built for playoffs. Yes. They are a hundred percent. Like they may not get into the rate of the playoffs because they're so built for it. Like they don't have high flying guys who just score goals. So in the first round, the Boston Bruins could conceivably be handed a very tough Islanders team, a lot of veteran guys that just added Bo Horvat, who's one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. Mm-hmm. If anyone is going to make life hard for a team to get through a round, it's the Islanders. Yeah, I think I would prefer them playing the Islanders to like Buffalo or Pittsburgh or, Pittsburgh or, Pittsburgh or, or like any of those teams. I think like, the, and they've had success in the playoffs yeah. with generally this core. Yes. Right? Like they've, they've made gone it, to the conference yes. finals twice in the yeah. last four years. So well, I don't mind that point. So, but, and it also thing is good. They didn't give Horvat to the Bruins or the Lightning. Right. Which was something that I always thought, like, I know that the Lightning have... He felt like he was going to be a Bruin from the jump this year. And the Lightning have no money, Mm -hmm. but they would somehow figure out how to give him the money and he would get under the cap. They would use their fake cap that they have. (laughs) (laughs) It it just doesn't exist. (laughs) It's like for them, it's different. So I I think that's a big win in this is that the two of the Leafs' big rivals didn't get Horvat at you know, before the deadline, unless Lou flips him again. Yeah. Well, that's see, that's the other option here is, you know, if he doesn't resign in the next three weeks and the team has not shown signs of improving, mm-hmm. they're falling out of the playoff race. Mm-hmm. They got to flip him. It's like he can either help them make the playoffs and not flip him. He can resign and not flip him. He can help them and make the playoffs. But if they are bad and he doesn't resign, 
he might still go to the Bruins. Yeah. But I love the idea that the Islanders beat up the Bruins a bit, make life hell on them. Maybe the Leafs get the Islanders in round two. Uh, no? Well, listen, not to go down too far down the Bruins road, but the President's Trophy curse thing is real. Think so? It is. Like, teams don't generally, like, I don't know if Derek can look it up, but when the last time a President's Trophy team won the Cup, mm-hmm. it doesn't happen a ton. No. And, like, it's a thing for a reason. Like, you, yeah. you spend all this sort of, you win all the th- stuff in the regular season. Like, look what happened to Tampa. You're... Geared Columbus, up, geared yeah. up, you're in the middle of the year, and then it's like you're kind of just playing cruise hockey until the end. Yeah. And how many times does that team come in at the bottom that's one? Kings did it twice. Yes. The Blues like, did yes. it. Teams that get hot and they're playing playoff hockey and they come in and they play a team yeah. that's cruised there. Like, I understand the recipe. Yeah. It's hard to picture the Bruins being that team because of how good they are, but, yeah. like, the recipe's there. Dan Shaughnessy in Boston wrote an article talking about that being like about I, the ruins yes, Dan I, Shaughnessy's paying attention yeah, to the ruins he wrote a little he writes an article here and he wrote like an article like after they lost two or three games in a row being like oh it's happening like oh it's like it's hard to keep you know the president yeah can't keep anyone I, happy you know what yeah. sorry so the last team to uh do that is uh the Chicago Blackhawks in 12 13 that long ago 10 years yeah, since president's trophy team 708 was the Red Wings but I have looked at this before it's if you win the president's trophy it's usually a precursor to within the next two or three years um, okay but still okay. when you win it and so there you go. That's like, the Caps. The Caps like used to the win, Bruins win it, and then yeah. in lose the 13, Habs. 14, uh, uh, were President's Trophy winners. The yeah. Capitals won it, or were the Trophy winners in 16 and 17. They eventually won the Cup, like, a few years later. Right. Okay. Yeah. The Lightning in 18, Brandeo is new McKee, the by the way. <laughs> the Avalanche in 2021 won it last year, so... All right. Thanks, New McKee. Thank you. But it's true, though. <laughs> so, like, that's 10 years yeah. since the team that's won the President's Trophy's won the Cup, so... All right. And wasn't, was that a half year, 2013? Uh, yes, it was. 2013 was a half year? It was a half year because that's the year yeah. the Leafs made the playoffs and lost the Bruins the first round. Oh, and yeah. the Leafs would not have made the playoffs in an 82-game season. <laughs> they grinded to the end to make the playoffs. So, anyways. All right. So, uh, all the positive things from the Horvat trade is we don't think the, Leafs the cost is going to be mm-hmm. that expensive and then they're going to beat the Bruins well, in round one. How do we do? Good. Don't you think it's a similar price for, for Meyer? Yes. Like, it's got to be, like, I, I think if you're... I think Meyer actually has a less appealing future in that he has a qualifying offer exactly. where... So if you're a general manager looking to acquire Meyer, which is a nice little rhyme, <laughs> you will be like, hey, Bo Horvat, who has more yeah. goals than you, is the captain of his team. And does Meyer play center even? No, he's a winger. There he's you a go. center. Be like, Bo's a center, he's it's, a captain. Yeah. He's, you're not, we're not giving you as no. much as the exactly. Canucks got. I feel like there's probably uh, Mike Greer, the general manager of the San Jose Sharks, a little sour about that trade. Yeah. You know, because it kind of, it's always the first one that sort of sets the market and the first big guy to go and then kind of stuff trickles down from that. Right. You can't picture it being a bigger package for Meyer than it was for, for Bo, uh, Bo Horvat. So. No, that's a really good point. All right. So that is uh, the Horvat trade. Uh, Leafs playing the Boston Bruins tomorrow night, their last game before an eight-game mm-hmm. break here. What um, are we going to talk about for those days? Any ideas? I, well, is he like all star related things? Can you get a bunch of all stars on the show. Oh my god! Oh, oh man! Can you give us suggestions in the YouTube chat, yes. please. For what would you like us to what talk? What can about? we cover for a week of off games? But no, but they're talking. It's just not the Leafs. Oh, I guess we'll talk about hockey. I know. But, but every game, we'll just do the "What does this mean for the Leafs?" chat. Certainly, we're not going to talk about Mitch Marner skates. No, oh my god! Uh, is that we saving that for the end of the day, or no, should we I'm have that chat right now? now? Okay, I. I watched some clips from practice this morning, and it was like Marner was playing around, yeah. obviously practicing, and 
every clip of him where he would like slow down, every single guy on the team would just like come over to him and look at his skates and say something <laughs> to him. Like, they're he, all... he took a beating this morning about his skates. So they're white skates for the All-Star game, which that's fun, right? Yeah. Do you let people do what they want? And yada, white yada. skates are pretty telly. Well, it's bold. Yes, it is. But he they're white and pink with mm-hmm. a big chunk of pink on the back. And the picture on it is his dog Zeus riding mm-hmm. a shark. Which is riding an alligator. Which is riding an alligator. Yes. So that's... <laughs> It's got some Sharknado vibes to it. Like, I I just, I love like the custom skates when guys like take cool risks and like they do, like Matthews has been doing it for the whole time he's been here. He's wearing the old school tags. Right. He's got the Christmas theme ones. Yeah. A little subtlety goes a long way. Like you could have your dog Zeus, maybe a little pink, but like to make them white, like the last but, guy to wear skates as flashy was those Nike Sergei Fedorovs. Well, but those were but, cool. Yeah, you're Sergei Fedorov. You're yeah. the coolest hockey style of <laughs> you're all time. You're the fastest guy <laughs> in the league. You're, yeah. I just don't know if Mitch Marner wants the smoke of wearing these dolls our weekend. Well, there is smoke that comes with it. Absolutely. And if, yeah, putting a dog on there. Yeah. I, I, that's my last thought. I wish Kipper was here because Kipper would be so conflicted by loving Mitch Marner and not liking the skates. Like if Matthews wore those skates, oh Kipper would have God. a field day. But if Marner did, he might have a harder time going to town on him. All right. All right. So we got a few more minutes. So we get to Jim Ralph. We'll take a, we'll listen to a couple of clips here from our, our boy, Sheldon Keith. Um, Wayne Simmons is in. Yeah. Again, tomorrow night against the Boston Bruins, two straight games, three, of the last four. What do you think? How do you feel about that? I would love to hear what Sheldon Keefe has to say about it, then talk right. about it after. Let's do that. Yeah, you know, when I looked at our game in Ottawa, I th- one of the things that I didn't like in that game is I thought we were at a time when things weren't going well. I thought that we were real quiet in that game, both in our performance and on our bench. And um, that's something that Simmer brings. He livens the group. And uh, I really liked what he brought in that sense uh, on the bench and such the other night and I thought his he and his line did a good job for us and I uh, thought he brought something very similar when we played out in Boston so you know for that reason you know you, you want to keep him involved and you know that he's an important guy despite the fact that he hasn't played a lot you know, what he brings is unique and it's nice to have that to me is some statement yeah. about what he thinks the team needs yeah because to your point, and not to steal your point here, no, but before the show, you mentioned, like, this is a guy they took his stall away yes. before the season. He was not part of the plan. Right. He was gone. He was waived like yeah. this. And so now they're like, yeah, we've seen our needs. And, you know, he brings energy and talks and toughness and mm-hmm. energy and all the stuff that Simmons has that they obviously feel they're so badly lacking that they have changed plans to include him. So... I think, I mean, not to get too tinfoil hat, but yeah. the fact that he's played in a run of games here now is probably a message to his buddy, Kyle. That's what I think, too. Being like, hey, man, we need a guy yeah. that is like this, but better. <laughs> like a guy <laughs> that's loud, can... you know, not afraid, has some clout, ability to lead, yeah. can talk to these guys, can keep... Because you never want to hear that your team is a quiet bench. No. Quiet bench is... Not a good thing. God, you're in those tough moments and everyone's just sitting there and you feel the building coming down on you. Like, no, you need somebody who's going to like stand up there and be like, hey, man, like we need, and I guess Simmons has, Simmons has a clout. He's been in the league a long time. He can say whatever he wants, even if he's playing six minutes a night because he's Wayne Simmons. Yes, he's had a great career. He's tough, fight anybody. Like, he's definitely the type of guy that they'll listen to. So to me, I hate him saying that against, you know, against your, you know, quote unquote, uh, uh, rival from your province. Right. I just hate him saying they're quiet. That sticks with me. They just went away. Yeah. You know, 
I did note earlier on a show yesterday, I think, that like a few teams right now seem to just be going away. Games start to get away from them. They're like, Absolutely. it's midseason. There's not that same push. But, eh, I mean, I do like the idea of playing the Bruins. It's in Boston. No, it's in Toronto. It's in Toronto? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But just, just being able to have someone knowing, you know, watching that Boston-Tampa Bay game, seeing those guys go toe-to-toe, having someone to be like, okay, if we need that, we have it. But, yes, I would say in the next month, I would say book it. They, the Leafs end up with someone like that. Like another, uh, like a better Wayne Simmons, basically. Yeah. And like I, you know, they, they had Clifford for a reason. Mm-hmm. Clifford, a little too old and took yeah. a penalty or two they didn't oh. like in the postseason. I have never been more mad than when he buried that guy. I don't even know You know why I was mad? Because I believed in him. (laughs) (laughs) I truly did. I was like, you know, I think this guy has a good sense of when it's time and when it isn't. And, you know, he wants to be an energy guy and be impactful. And 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 the worst part is that that, like, spurned them on to one of their most convincing victories ever because they killed off that penalty yeah. and the building was nuts. And they won where they went five or six nothing in the first game against Tampa. Yeah. But <laughs> when he first did that, I was legitimately stomping around my living room. I was like, <laughs> how could he do that? <laughs> Just stewing. And he's been, you know, in the minors most of this year now. Um, it's actually interesting that McMahon is down. You know, I yeah. kind of thought he was making a case here. You know my thoughts. He's one of the, the, he's the dudes. Guy. He's the dudes. Like, the, the Dubas is dudes. Just all these guys that just kind of rotate in and out i'm gonna say the thing again Mm. which is that if he fought a couple times and they'd be like oh he can be simmons for us yes it would mean the world and i don't he's never been that no he never will no he i think he's a college you know was a college kid Mm -hmm. and whatever that's not the type of play player he is but they're looking for someone who will go to someone and say you know do something about it and that's that's not mcmahon so aston reese holmberg and simmons um, on the fourth line. <laughs> that is the ultimate just... What do we got? What's left? Soup. Throw it in the pot. Yeah. <laughs> see what happens. But yeah. I, you know, I just look at this bottom six and you look at Kerfoot again in the second line. And, you know, I talked about this with Anthony Petrelli on Friday with, on Leafs Talk. And it's like, God, take Matthews for granted. You know, like oh, we, yeah. t- we talk about it, like we nitpick his game. We talk about... Oh, you know, he's having a down year and he's only, oh, he's only scored 25 goals. 90 some he's, he's only on pace for a 50 goal season again. Yeah. And, you, you know, you look at them without him. They miss him offensively, clearly. Yeah. But they miss him defensively almost just as much. Yeah. Like that game against the, the Sens, they couldn't get the puck out of their own zone at all from the forward. So it's just something that's just, please don't leave. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Is that fair? Take for granted the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, we are joined by Jim Ralph. Ralphie, I got bad news, man. It's uh, no no Kipper today. You're stuck with Sammy and I. I broke the news to him already. Oh man, yeah, yeah. And that's uh, I did check the contract. <laughs> I'm not supposed to be on. <laughs> Listen, we'll double your fee for the day. Okay, what's two times zero? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And not my goals against average, you know that. <laughs> oh, we appreciate you joining us. Um, you know, I'll just get you in on the conversation Sam and I were just having. Um, Wayne Simmons is going to be on the Toronto Maple Leafs fourth line against Boston tomorrow night, uh, third game and and four for the Leafs. It's it's interesting. His coach said that, you know, he brings in energy and stuff that I thought we lacked against Ottawa. What do you, is Simmons a guy that is working his way back into the rotation, a guy that could be a part of this going forward? Yeah, you know, I thought he actually had some jump, um, you know, for the game uh, uh, against Washington. And, you know, I, I think it's good. Obviously, you get Matthews back and, and you have to, to reshuffle things again. But, um, you know, I, I do think you like that element. Uh, 
you know, I, I think he's got to be careful. And we saw it when, when Kyle Clifford was around as well, uh, not to cross that line because, like it or not, you've got a reputation and the officials are watching. He did, he did take a penalty in the third period. And those are the ones that um, I, I think you've really got to be careful with. I know you want to make an impact on the game and you want to show that you're there and, and some toughness, but, but there's that fine line between being tough and, um, you know, crossing the line and crossing your team with penalties. But, um, you know, as far as the game against Washington, then I thought he did bring some energy and, and had some jump and made some plays. So, Ralph, do you think they need to add some more of his element in the bottom six? Like, is that something that you're coveting if you're Dubas before the deadline? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's uh, again, Sammy, like, look around the league and you say, okay, so who? You know? Right. Uh, and, you, and you want a guy that can play. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, not, uh, and then we saw, you know, Sheldon Keefe switched his tune pretty early in the series against Tampa last year. Or, you know, Clifford and Simmons are both in the lineup early and then, you know, not again the rest of the way. So, um, I, I don't know if it's your top priority right now, but I think, um, you know, just about everybody's wish list at the trade deadline seems to be the same, whether it's depth scoring or, uh, you know, bottom six toughness or, you know, a defenseman that can move the puck. Everybody seems to be looking for the same thing. Rafi, I know you're a pro Morgan Riley guy. At least I believe you are. And I thought he's looked pretty good the last couple of games. Are there some signs of life here that the Leafs are getting their proper number one back? Yeah, and I think maybe the the, you know, the good thing is getting the getting the goal. Yeah, even though you know that's that's not you know what you want in a Morgan Riley where where you want him to score you know twenty goals again like he did early in his career. Um, but it's it's almost uh, you know some guys just seem to have their their confidence tied to their point totals, and and Morgan Riley may be one of those guys. But but I also think it was good to get uh, T.J. Brody back. I think he he led the team in ice time if I'm not sure in the the Washington game. So it um, you know Riley's a part of it, but I think getting T.J. Brody back and and getting that um, you know what looks to be their their favorite six uh, in and re- regular rotations is a is a benefit. But yeah, I, I think there's been signs that no well, not just Riley but I thought I think they only gave up what five shots in the third period against Washington which is what they were doing when they went on that you know what 16 17 game run so I think it's uh, Riley's obviously a big part of that but I think everybody's sort of clamped down and and TJ Brody's return has helped everybody as well well, I think you got to give credit to Sheldon Keefe, Ralphie, for how little his top guys have actually played together and how much he's actually patched this. What was it yesterday? We were talking about seven games that he's had, like, his quote-unquote six guys together. Right. It's done an unbelievable job patching this together and kind of managing everybody's minutes so that they look the way they do. Yeah. Now, that, now does that include uh, Jake Muzzin, Sammy? No, it doesn't no. include Jake Muzzin. Oh, so okay. there you yeah. go. So Even more zero. of a yeah. yeah. When you go back to the start of the year, you're going, yeah, it's funny how the – yeah, no, I, I think you give uh, Sheldon Keefe a lot of credit. You know, even, you know, the game, uh, what was it, against Winnipeg, where he, he he went to, you know, Marner and Matthews together again, and it worked right away. So it, um, yeah, I think you give Sheldon Keefe a lot of credit for, you know, preaching the system. And, and I think when you look at teams like Boston or Tampa, they have injuries, and everything seems to be plug and play. They just bring somebody up, you plug them into the system, and, and they contribute. And, and I think that's what you like that the Leafs are able to do during that stretch. And now, um, you know, they've got to do it without Austin Matthews. But I I think, um, you know, whether you want to call it systems or strategies or whatever, uh, Sheldon Keefe really has something solid in place for them. 
you know, how do you think they're affected, Ralphie, the the rest of the season, that there isn't some hotly contested race to sell them on before the game? Hey, you know, like, dude, we got to catch Boston or, you know, look out, here comes Florida. You know, you're almost looking for reasons to be motivated. And I know that sounds silly in professional sports, but there's no doubt it's harder when there's not some, like, imminent goal to chase down, is it not? Yeah, um, you know, Arizona and Anaheim are probably going through that too, though, Barney. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Although they they might be chasing something a little different that's out of their control. <laughs> right. But it's, uh, no, I know, I, I, you know, it's the old adage that uh, if you're looking for a reason to play, then uh, just think of what you do every two weeks on a Friday when you get that direct deposit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that should be your motivation enough. Uh, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but. You know, we, we've seen it before where, you know, teams get into a slide and, and can't get out of it before the postseason. And then, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself in a wild card spot. I remember years ago in the um, the Leafs, and I remember exactly where we were because we, we went out after uh, for dinner. It was a game in Los Angeles. And I think the Leafs were 13 points into a playoff spot at that point. And, um, you know, we were out with the coaching staff and they were talking about who they were going to catch. And, and I don't know if you remember, they had that money. It was one twelve and one finish and ended up making the playoffs or missing the playoffs. So, I mean, that um, you've always got to, to guard against, you know, that kind of failure and uh, to be on the wrong end of a story that uh, is great for somebody else. So I, I always, maybe that's my mind league mentality where you're always looking for the worst or fearing the worst. <laughs> But, I'm with you, bud. I, I, I always remember that. And that, that was the, you remember the Randy Carlisle, James Reimer was just okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that was during that stretch where they were, they were just horrible down the stretch and, and missed the playoffs. So I think that's, if you're looking for motivation. It's, uh, you know, sometimes fear can be the best motivator as well. No, I think that's fair. And I'm sure Keith's probably preaching that like nothing's settled here. Like every day probably has to go in there and say that because, you know, it's pretty much clear that they're going to be playing the lightning so you have to probably come up with different sort of motivational factors to give to them to be like hey we're not settled even though probably all of them know they are yeah and you know even you know even though they've you know they lost to montreal at home tampa at home um columbus technically a home game because it's in their building Mm -hmm. um you know I, i still think you'd rather when it comes down to it um you know have that extra game on home ice so so I think that's that's probably a harder sell. I think it's it's probably easier to sell Connor Bodard on uh, Anaheim saying, "Boys, let's, <laughs> let's, let's try to be really bad so we can get guys better than you to come play here next year." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's that, that's the ultimate motivator right there, isn't it? Yeah, that's a tough sales pitch to make. And we we had David Amber, um, who you know obviously knows his stuff, suggest a tournament to play oh, off yeah, for the topic, which yeah. is an interesting, you know, it's a conflict for some of these guys. So yeah. I, I do get why, uh, <laughs> you know, it's a tough spot for the bottom guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, and by the way, I, I was big, de- uh, David Amber's big break. He interviewed me when he, right? was work- when he was working at Sault Ste. Marie. He yeah. interviewed me. And, <laughs> and then it's, well, look at him now. <laughs> you put him over the top, Ralphie. I'm not surprised to hear that. Um. You know, looking at the the Leafs all-star break here, they actually get to step away a little bit. Samsonov goes in playing a bajillion games in a row. How worried are you about Matt Murray? And could it be a situation where the Leafs eventually have to do something else? They got a month leading up to trade deadline, but you want to be sure you got a, a second goalie. 
Yeah, and, but, but you know what? That's you know, if, if Joe Wall is going to get the opportunity, I think that's the silver lining, right? True. And that's um, you know Lilligren and Sandine because the injuries have been able to establish themselves. So um, you know, I look at it more that way that um, you know Joe Wall could could come up and go on and run himself. If, I mean, if you, you never want to see anybody go down with an injury, especially a goaltender. Uh, but if you had to pick a time, Samsonov was starting to establish himself as as the the number one guy, you know, before the the Murray injury. So, um, it's it, if you had to pick a time, it was probably the best time for it to happen, and and with the week off coming up as well. So, I just want to ask you before we let you go, Ralph, you about John Tavares, who played his thousandth game on Sunday against the Caps. How would you define his time here with the Leafs so far? I guess it's an unfinished oh, story, but like, what, what would you say? How's it been so far? Well, I think his 714th game is probably the most memorable to me. <laughs> uh, is that a joke, Ralphie? Is oh, that yeah. his first one here? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I always find though, if you make it sound like you know what you're talking about, a lot of people just buy it. I was, <laughs> you no, called his bluff. No, I've, I've spent way too much time with Ralphie for to know that. Like yeah. we've spent too much time in the press box together to know that that was a joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that would have been a great interview question uh, following the game. I right. like you knew what special game he had on his 714 game. <laughs> the player could remember. Uh, I mean, I, I think he's been solid, but you know, he's he's like everybody that's um, you're not going to be judged on, you know, a 40-plus goal season or, you know, a, a point of game pace during the regular season. He's mm-hmm. he's in that big group now where it's, it's April that's going to matter. So um, even though he's been a big part of the regular season success, um, you want his story and his really his legacy to be what um, hopefully he can do with the Leafs in the postseason. Ralphie, have you seen Mitch Marner skates yet for the All-Star game? Uh, yes. Um, pictures. Did, do you, how do you feel about uh, pink skates with a dog riding a shark riding right. an alligator? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, I was surprised. You know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, uh, I think it's fine. It's uh, it's uh, I don't know what company that is. It's uh, the sponsoring of skates, but uh, <laughs> it would be a hell of a name for a company, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a long name. Um, how would those uh, skates have gone over in Springfield in '82? Uh, you mean the old tube skates? Yeah, they would. They would. You would have had to paint them by hand. They would. They would have looked great then. Oh, I love it. Colored, Sammy, we didn't even have colored pads back then. Oh yeah, just wearing the brown ones. Classic, the old dirty browns. Yeah, it's the best. It. Best luck anyway. All right, Ralphie. Well, we appreciate your time as always, man. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the All Star break. Have fun uh, in Cabo, Ralphie. Uh, Please, please say hi to Kipper for me. I took pictures of him on the Jumbotron when he was uh, giving away the jersey the other day. What an honor so. to see him in person, huh? Yeah. he. Uh, remember he said hi to me in an elevator a few years ago, and that meant a lot. He's <laughs> <laughs> so always looking out for the little people. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Another Ralphie. Uh, see you, buddy. Thanks, Have a good one. You sit by Ralphie in the press box? Oh, yeah. Well, I spent three years as the Leafs pre- and post-game producer, so we spent a lot of time together. Ralphie got jokes. Holy hell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ralph, I, uh, Ralphie's son is a literal stand-up yes, comedian. And I, he's a chip off the old block. Yeah. Maybe some of the jokes wouldn't tell on air, but <laughs> really good stuff. And, like, he, you know, not to get too much into it, but I'd take a bullet for that guy. I love yeah. that guy. He's been incredible, incredible to me yeah. throughout my whole, you know, career up there. And we saw some wild games together. Yeah. You know, like, I was there for three years 
there for half the games every year. Saw Were you there crazy. for all the playoff games? Uh, not all of them, yeah. but I was there for a few playoff games. The craziest game I've ever been to in any sporting event was the David Ayers game. Oh, you're at we that. We had yeah. that game. Yeah. Yeah, I was disgusted. Yeah, it was disgusting. It was disgusting. I felt like you just knew how that was going to go because in hockey, uh, not to redo the Ayers game, but... When the other team is good and doesn't want you to get shots, it can it's not as easy as just mm-hmm. shoot it. Yes. You know, let alone or just generate a good clean look. It's like you spend the whole game trying to do that. And it was like one second into the game into the, the time he was on the ice and John Tavares like beat him five hole right. from like a and step inside like, the blue line. I'm like, Oh yeah. my god. And then I think that's maybe it was Bunkus will ask him when he comes on, but he had like the worst gambling beat of his life because he put like so much money on the lease when they were down, were they down yeah. six three or whatever, right? And they didn't come back. <laughs> so that that was a crazy one. I've seen like so it, it was really cool doing that job. Yeah, saw a lot of games, saw a lot like got to see Ov Sid McDavid. Like I've seen all the mm-hmm. greats, so it's cool. It's really cool. There is something unique to being, you know. Being a fan, so when I was with the the Marlies, we played in five playoff rounds, yeah. and I'm the guy like up above in the press box, like tagging events on the road, mm. and so and you know the feeling of being invested with a team mm-hmm. when you physically can't control anything, mm-hmm. and it's a sickening feeling, absolutely. And I've heard this expression that the farther you are from the ice, the harder it is. So if you're a player. It's not. It's you hard. Even think about it. Well, yeah, but you you can control. Yes. You can channel your you're energy. Literally part of the game. Right. Yes. You can channel your energy somewhere. As a coach, you a little more stressed, but you can actually put out guys yeah. and yeah. be involved in whatever. If you're a manager, it's sickening. Horrible. Because, but if you see something, you could send a text to the coach or hey, yeah, send yeah. this down or whatever. You could have some say. Video coach, no chance. Yeah. Fan. It feels the worst yeah. of anyone. Yeah. You just have you got no input on what's about to happen to your emotional it's state. <laughs> so true. And being in the press box too, I got I sat with like above with Ralphie and Bonesy, so yeah. I could still mix in a little fist bump here and there. Yeah. And in the playoff game last year against Tampa that we went to, I think it was game two they lost. Yeah. We were on the like actual press row. Right. I was like, this is not for me. <laughs> <laughs> I am not sitting on your oh, hands. No, like because the one guy was like, oh, oh. I was like, this is not. For, I, I do not belong here. Like, I am supposed to be down here with those people, with uh, the with the fans. So. I do think things are changing though. Like you know, Dangle is the ultimate. Yeah, fan, but he would never list. be. In the, he would never be in the press box, right? Yeah, I don't it's, know. I bet she's been in there. Yeah, I mean. Maybe. Yeah, but Maybe, like, I don't know. It, there is sort of an evolution in like who people want to cover their teams. You know, we get crapped on yeah, yeah when we're hard on the leafs because yeah. people are like don't talk about our team like that yes okay well we're we doing analysis or we're we doing <laughs> fan analysis yeah you can be caught in the middle a little bit sometimes before we get to bunk yes i want to hear this keith clip on the power play without austin matthews because i find this is one of the most fascinating things about the leafs so can we play that clip there love it well it's just you know we still have good players we got other guys out there and there's a structure in place that you know, allows the puck, the, the puck to to uh, change hands and get to the net. And, you know, you see the goal that Bunt scored the other night, you know. Um, it maybe has a little bit of a different look with the power play when, when Austin comes out. But then you put another guy like Bunt's in there. Now you have him in addition to John, you know, who two guys now that are hungry in the slot and then around the net. 
so there's still some positive things there that we saw some of that some of that come out on the fact when we use the five forwards so i think you know the fact that when austin comes out and we don't go to five forwards necessarily but you get bunts back involved and he's had that experience now and uh what he's taken out of play from with the with those guys with the five forwards i think you've seen some of those benefits from it so is there a point to be made that putting the best five players on the ice on the power play is maybe not consistent with putting out the best power play? Yes. This is my, I think everything he said in there points to that. Yeah. To me, I think maybe in the playoffs, you load it up when you need a big goal or whatever, but throughout the regular season to me, you create, you have a minute on and a minute off, and you create like an internal competition where you have Marner and Tavares on one and Willie and mm-hmm. have two units. I'm begging them to have two it, units. It is interesting that they haven't even attempted two no. units where they're just kind of doing a one power play thing. Yes. Yeah. No, I, and, you know, I, I've asked um, a power play coach mm-hmm. uh, about would he rather have, um, you know, like the five most skilled players who just acting creatively out there, which mm-hmm. to me would be hard that's, for defenses. That's, and that's kind of the Leafs. Right. Or would you rather have guys that just stuck to what you're teaching them? You know, the power play meetings – They'll show you, okay, you're up here. We want to run it down there, get over here, and that that should move them mm. there. And he was like, I want the guys who will execute the plan. Yes. And I have seen the plan executed, and it works better than a bunch five freelancers. Mm-hmm. Not that the Leafs are freelancers, but there's something to be said for guys who stick to their role. Bunts will play in the crease. But he JT will me- be in the bumper. He mentioned Bunts, what, the three times in that clip? Bunts, yeah, Bunts. <laughs> By the way, that's you, not saying Matthew shouldn't no. be on the power play. Of course, of you course need- he should. Puck retrieval guys. Yeah. Like it can't all, you need a guy that's going to find a puck, dig it out, kind of ring it back to the point. Yeah. You know, you don't. It Give it back to the players and go back and be the grunt again. They don't all have to be superstars yeah. on it. And I think sometimes. They got three flank, good flank guys. It's a problem. And I think they kind of get lost in what their role is. when mm-hmm. the. So it's four points better without Matthews in the games he's missed. You understand 27% without him yeah. and 24% with him, like for his career. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's so weird. I think it's just a matter of not forcing it to any one place and yeah. keeping a free mind to, to whatever the best option is. They defer to him, which is which they should. Right. And he's a wonderful power play player, but... I would like there to be two units. And okay. I'm not... Uh, today is the day, since Kipper's not here, you can put Martin in the second unit. And then... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been dying to say it all year long, but no, no, no. Uh, there we go. Okay, let's get to break. Uh, after the break, uh, we're going to talk with J.D. Bunkus, and we'll pick up some more of the same stuff. We'll see you in a few minutes. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Real Born and McKee and Bunkus now. We're joined by the great J.D. Bunkus. You there, man? I'm here. Hey, buddy. Did you, up, know, did you know that Sam McKee was just tweeted by the <laughs> Owen Sound attack and referred to as Sam Alton, yeah. which I believe is his middle name? It is my middle name. No, it's his mom's name. It is. Well, it's my middle name. <laughs> yeah. My name is Samuel Alton McKee. And my initials spell my name, Sam Alton McKee, S-A-M. Wait, your parents, that's Damn. actually your middle name, is you took your mom's maiden name as your middle name? Well, my, mo- my mom didn't change her name when she got married. So Yeah, I have but that's names. not a middle name. Oh, that's wait, a hyphenate. Oh, you want me to hyphen it? Like, what do you think? <laughs> it I? is a middle name. Born. 
<laughs> no, that's not a middle name. A middle name is like a given middle name. Like you're yeah, just they gave you... him the middle name. All the time. <laughs> no, that's not what's happening here. I refuse to have yeah, this. No, you just have that's your last name, Alton McKee. Okay, I'll live with that. You're right. I only want from him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I just uh, well, it's End crazy because well, listen, that's one of my best friends ever for a long ass time, and I actually just always thought that what you did was just a move of respect because your mom is a powerhouse and a no, terrific no. lady. No, she didn't change her name. She's and, a and like, well, you do. You see this a lot. Like, I'm a child of divorce, right? Yeah. I think born you yeah. as well, yeah. and so oftentimes. Children of divorce will take the name of the parent they like more, which is oftentimes the mother. Let's be honest here. Like, and they attach it. Like, they just they co-op the name. I didn't realize that was like your actual given yes, birth name. Of course. All Daniel right. McKee. While we're doing this, isn't your name Latvian? Isn't it Janice? Yeah. yeah Giannis, Giannis David. Is it yeah. Davis, pronounced yeah. Giannis? Yeah. 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 How dare you? That was rude. That was <laughs> that was like what? <laughs> what was like, I came on here. You guys are late to break. You're like you got three minutes to talk, and I'm going to call you Janice. Rude. <laughs> uh, let me start the segment by apologizing. Oh, no, 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 didn't. No, let's not go down that road. <laughs> uh, we have derailed before we started. Um, you are listening to the uh, the three humans who do Leafs talk. Oh yeah, the post game Leafs Correct. reaction podcast, which is taking the internet by storm. It is. It's actually it really doing is. pretty well. Yeah, I love it. It's doing very well. Yeah, and uh, this is the time where you say. If you like this kind of banter, you yes. can subscribe and you can leave five stars and that helps us out. Do you, do you think after that conversation, it's a time to ask people to like us? <laughs> Here's the thing. A certain section of the audience could not hate this more. <laughs> but, the, but but we're kind of trying to key in on the, the people, the folk that get it, you know, the people Listen, that get it. Kipper's not here today. You don't get yeah. the Kipper stuff. Okay, you're yeah. stuck with a bunch of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Here's here's that's actually how I'm buoyed is that the people who showed up for the 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 haters of that. Yeah, they were like the second they heard no Nick today, they were like, I'm good. <laughs> I got other things to do. Music today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Time for Steely Dan. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love Steely Dan so much. Yeah, All fair right. enough. All right, so let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, sure. There's a big trade. I believe you're aware of this. Horvat goes to the Canucks. Uh, came in today and chatted with uh, Sam, and he goes, you know, I actually feel like that makes me encouraged about what it means for the Leafs in terms of the cost of what it's going to take for them to get someone it wasn't everything to get one of the biggest names, and I understand he doesn't have a year after this, but how, you know, what was your instant, what does this mean for the Leafs' reaction to the Horvat trade? I I know that everybody who has, well, actually, there were like a million different opinions on this trade, which I love because this is one of those things like I, I need to pull the Shaq meme for the prospect that went the other way. Like, I'm sorry, young man, I'm not familiar with your game. Like, <laughs> I, I, I don't know you. You played 10 NHL games. My understanding is he slipped in the draft. He's one of those kind of like redraft candidates, which for my liking, that reeks of a Nick Robertson, right? A guy who was in the second round that some people thought could be in the first round, who some shine is off of the player. So I went, okay. So if the Leafs were going to get in on a Timo Meyer trade, would it look something like their first round pick, Nick Robertson, and a middle six forward who has some speed but is kind of underwhelming at times. Sounds like Pierre Engvall. That sounds like the exact <laughs> trade that the Leafs could put together for Meyer. Like, if that's the trade package for him, 
that's like you do that in a heartbeat, right? You don't even bat an eye. You just do that immediately. Yes, I, I think I don't think you. It's fair to compare Robertson to the uh, what's the name again? Atu Ratu. Atu Ratu. Yeah. Why you think he's better or worse? I think I think there's more proven at an NHL level that. Nick Robertson may not be a guy than Sam Andrew thinks Ratu. he's a non-entity as an yeah, injured no, player. That, I don't, I don't that's, think that's not how I feel about it. You and think if he you has ask, like you think he had value? Yes, because mm. I ask people about it all the time, mm. and they still consider him to be a B prospect. Here's the thing with Robertson that like this is where we're too close to it, right? Because we watch every night and we have these expectations of the guy and all of this stuff, and it's like okay, sure, but you have to f- think of one, he's young, and there are certain qualities, right, born that you just can't teach his shot and so one organization is going to look at him and say if we just play him enough times he's going to score 20 goals and that has value and Mm -hmm. so his game is not going to be perfect and he's not I think it's pretty clear at this point we know he's not an A prospect or he's not someone that the Leafs if they trade it's going to come back to be an all-time haunt move Mm -hmm. but yeah I think if you're a team like the Sharks and you say we could get a young guy who's an American-born player from California who might score 20 and has a wicked shot yeah, like you could talk yourself into that. I don't know why he would have less value than a guy who hasn't even proven at all that he can score at the NHL level. Like, yeah, but I, I don't know. I just has, view them as has kind Robertson of, proved he can score at an NHL level? I think if you give him a yeah a puck on a tee, like, yeah. Dude, <laughs> oh, if you give him a puck in the slot, like <laughs> I, yeah, sure. I gotta say no, but for real, I actually think Robertson is one of those perfect guys that if I was another organization, I would be trying to buy low on. Because you think about all the pressure that comes with this market. Mm-hmm. He worked his ass off. He, so, he showed flashes in the preseason. That's more, again, I'm not as plugged in with the Islanders. So, born, you know, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong. But Retu hasn't had those moments with the Islanders like he had as a preseason, right? Like, yeah, he had he doesn't one have this the year. Track but, record, but you know right? what it is, too, you know, for me is, uh, you know, you hear people say this a lot. But the organization always knows on guys before uh-huh. the rest of the league and I wonder how they feel about Ratu. You know, like if, yeah. if they saw him come up and play 10 games and Lou goes, look, he's going to be Michael Del Cole or Josh Hosang or the next guy who's just, we want to be a guy and isn't a guy. Yeah. You know, he might be that for them. I'm I'm in favor of generally moving those guys when you're like, this is taking longer than 100%. we hoped. And all of a sudden you have your first thoughts of it may not happen at all. I think you're there with Robertson. I, I hope you're right, Bob. Yeah. That, I hope you're right. But I just I have a hard time believing that any team's pro scout is going to come back to them and be like, this love is it. the guy that <laughs> no, we should center a package around. Yeah. But, but I just said that it's a B-level prospect. Like, clearly, mm-hmm. again, Nick Robertson has a clear, valuable NHL skill that is the most coveted one, which is elite-level shot. He has a shot that Austin Matthews looks at and goes, wow, look at that shot. That has value. No question. That's yeah. that's no question. a thing. And so you gamble on traits like that. You gamble on upside like that across all sports, right? That's the quarterback with a massive arm, right? You do it. That's the cornerback who can't cover, who can't read a coverage, but he can run a 4-3-40, and you go, boy, if we could just do this. And I think that will always have value around the league. And again, I, I remember speaking to Fuda about this, and he goes, he called him a B prospect. And if Mike Fuda who is like genuinely one of the most successful at scouting in the last what 15 years mm-hmm. like some of the best like amateur scouting that we've seen in the last 15 years if he's calling him a B level prospect i'm taking that more than like the leafs fan base 
saying this guy's a write-off and this guy stinks. I don't think he's a fit for this organization anymore. I think that he's clearly a guy that can be available in a trade. Mm-hmm. He's just – he's like Blake Murphy calls them redraft candidates, right? Guys who just have skills but are not fitting an organization anymore. I mm-hmm. think he's still that. Anyway, the point of this is like – no, I don't think that the Sharks are leaping at it. I don't think that they're overly excited about it. I don't think that it necessarily puts you at the top of the pile. But if we're just using that trade as a framework for what a high-velocity rental is, I'm with you guys. I think that's a price that you as a Leaf fan can swallow. Because to me, it's basically like the pick, who cares? Like any of the other prospects, who cares? Yeah. There's one guy that I don't want them to touch, and it's Matthew Nyes, because they haven't hit on... Guys who can play in the top six who are young, controllable forwards with his skill set. Yeah. And so to me, it's like the only way you move him is if you're getting back a no-doubt player who is on term and the other organization is potentially eating money. Like that's the starting point for that. Everything else, I'm good with. Doesn't it seem now that that trade, it's pretty clear that they probably won't have to give up nice to get one of the guys? Like there's no way like they're looking at – uh, Ryan O'Reilly or like a Barbashev no. or like a, you know, a Taves right. or any of these guys, the market has kind of been set here by this trade to me. Like Bo well, Horvat was the best available kind of guy that we all talk about other than like Eric Carlson or whatever when yeah. pie in the sky. Like we, me and Borny talked about it in the first block. Like I think Bo, Bo Horvat has more value than Timo Meyer does in terms of him being a center. Sure. He score more, scored more. Meyer's also got a ten million dollar yeah, QO, like, which yeah, so hurts. It depends on what you want to do with Bo Horvat, but like as a pure rental at this point, I'd say he has more value. So to me, the yeah. market's kind of set with this. The only thing is that I would say to you guys, like we just did that trade first in Robertson and Engvall. It's like, well, the thing we're not factoring into this is that pick the Islanders could be giving up could be the 13th overall pick in the draft. That's not where the Leafs pick is going to land. That's a good point, And we know the value between these picks. And should the Islanders end up bottoming out, doesn't work out, that pick rolls over, Vancouver has to be thinking, hey, we've got a pick of an Islanders team that fell into the bottom 12 this year. Like, maybe next year it's going to be a top 10 pick. Like, there's real potential for that. You're seeing the Leafs without Matthews still dummy the Washington Capitals, who are a playoff team, who are in that division. Like, you're acquiring the Leafs pick. You're hoping at best that it's the 25th, the 26th. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's a late first. It's an early second. So, to me, it's like that's where the Nyes question comes up is do the Leafs actually have any prospects? Like, Sam, if you don't think Robertson has any value, well, our guy, like I mentioned this before, Nick Richard, who Topian, pours over all Topian the Topian Roney. Well, yeah, <laughs> the gold bucket I mean. boy. He still has that as guy <laughs> as number two. So it's like, what do the Leafs have, if anything, to get into these conversations? That's where it gets spooky. That's where yeah. you are an organization that has to overpay because you can't get into the conversation with anything else. All your assets, other, your other assets – kind of stink kind of feels like that's why Sandine to me might end up being on the table is just simply because they don't have anybody to pull from Mm -hmm. in the prospect system yeah so it's it's you know you guys have been watching the Leafs in Toronto for a long time now and you mentioned that they beat Washington like going away without Matthews you know what are some of the things that we take for granted with this team and its success they win all the time yeah and we come in here and we bury certain parts of the team (laughs) And they win. So what during the years where they just couldn't beat anyone, is it just the elite players? Because they win without those guys. Yeah, but they still have a bunch of other ones, man. Like, that's the thing. This is kind of the ghost of John Tavares conversation from yesterday with the 1,000 games. Like, not a lot of teams have John Tavares as their number two center, a point-of-game player. 
Not a lot of teams have Mitch Marner as their team's second best player, or maybe third best the way that William Nylander's going right now. Like, they just have such a luxury of top-tier talent that I think during the regular season, and this is why it's like when we and moan about them, I still think it's fair because those guys have proven they can be awesome in the regular season. But this organization is clearly at a point where, hey, um, the sport is physical. The sport does take bite. The sport does take maintaining your level in big moments. And those guys haven't proven that there. And so until they do, like, I don't really care. And I don't think too many people do care about their ability to cruise through teams that clearly can't match their talent level in a regular season. It's, it's when that talent, you know, doesn't matter as much, which I think is in those moments where those intangibles do show up. It's what makes this team so difficult to judge, and it's why people get out each yeah. other's throats. So I think that there is a little bit of jadedness of just how special the regular season top-tier talent is. Um, but it's just it's really hard to embrace it when, when all the chips are down. It hasn't been able to be the same. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's just the measured the the regular season success measured against the postseason success. Right. I think is the number one reason for the sort of resentment mm-hmm. that people have towards it. And listen, I've convinced myself that guys are really good. Like for a long I was time, say, like your top guys were no, Kessel, Condry, yeah, JVR. Like, like it's buddy, those even, guys are the even, what fiftieth best in the league. Even before that, like I, you know, I had a lot of Nikolai Kuhlman conversations and Mikhail Grabowski yeah, conversations, and yeah, <laughs> no, I. Hey, Co- the Kuhleman, Grabowski, Clark MacArthur line at one point was the my highlight life, of like, the, the, yeah, our lives. Yeah, it was like, <laughs> oh, this so is sorry. the best that they've had in the post-salary cap era. Like, this beats the hell out of watching Jason Allison try desperately to skate <laughs> with NHL players. And, you know? It's so funny with that era. Today's, Bunk, I'm going to make you feel old. Today yeah. is the 13th, 13-year anniversary of the Dion Phaneuf trade. Mm-hmm. I so remember where like, I was. I do, too. And it's like, that's what we were convincing ourselves of. You know, it's like, oh, my God, they got Dion Phaneuf. This is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. That's the best trade they could ever make. And then, you know, he was a, the captain of the Leafs. He was pretty good player. And yeah. You know how, the, how it went with them. enough respect. No, that, it was an that, that, awesome honestly, trade. That trade well, let's read me the trade. Poop. Do you have it in front of you? I do. Well, I, Bunk, I can, Bunk can do it without guarantee without the in front yeah. of well, and that was the other thing, was that the Leafs got Keith Ollie in that trade, who became oh, immediately yeah. the top Leafs prospect at the time, which made it even more of a coup. Oh, yeah. But that actually speaks to Bourne's, like, the organization knows before you do, because, yeah, at that time, especially when we didn't have as much information about players, like, Here people you go. got really, really, <laughs> really excited. But, like, it was like Haglin that went the other way as the it, premier player. It was Matt Stajan, yeah. Ian White. Uh, colleague Jamal Mayers, yeah, Nicholas ha- and Nicholas Hagman. Hagman, sorry, yeah, Hagman. Hagman. Yeah, he had a little moment. Hagman, he was a good player. Yeah, that's but what I mean. I he was the guy. Where it was like, and and then I... for Fanuf, Ollie, and Freddie Schustrom, uh, Schustrom, yeah, Schustrom, Schustrom, yeah, Schustrom. No, yeah. that was a coup. That was a dynamite trade. It for was. The it was. Burke doesn't get enough credit for that one. Burke's trades, yeah. Yeah, I listen. Spent, so going back to that conversation, the amount of time uh-huh. that I, like, the amount of years I took off my life defending Dion Fanuf is a lot. Yeah. Like, remember the how I'm mad I used to defend him, Bunk? Like, early in our friendship, I was like, oh, yeah. he's miscast. He was miscast. Yeah. It's not, he's on the right situation. Well, you know, there's a fair he's point a about Morgan Riley two. to be made there, too. You know, the Leafs <laughs> have a generation uh, of number that two as a number hit, one. That hit too hard. Sorry. Yeah, that hit hard. No, well, here's the thing, though. This is kind of what frustrates me a little bit is, like, just because this organization hasn't had anything 
doesn't mean that you should just simply be like thrilled about regular season success. To me, there's actually something even more infuriating about this group than those other years we're talking about. No, but you'd like, rather have the potential. Yeah, You're playing towards no, board, hope. Yes. No, of course you'd rather have this. There's no doubt in my mind that this is the thing that you would most want to have. I'm just saying that from a frustration standpoint, this this mirrors the frustration you had watching the Leafs finish ninth, where you would go, this is the worst place you can be. Yeah. To me, wasted talent, right? Like, when you guys get mad at someone, do you get mad at the person at work who's just, like, in way over their head and not capable? Like, is that the person you get disappointed with? I don't. I go, hey, they're trying their best. Like, they're doing their absolute darndest. The person you get mad at is the student who has all the smarts in the world but won't apply themselves. And and I've made this analogy a few times, but that's kind of how it feels with these guys is like every year this washes away, you get frustrated with things like the playoff format, um, the salary cap, the hard cap. You get frustrated with You're these like, small apply yourselves. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's just like it makes it feel worse because it feels like you're wasting something really special, really unique, potentially something you're going to only see once in a lifetime because yeah. that's the that's what's on the table here. Like that you know, is the, the, the sands potential. of the hourglass are running through here, looking yeah, at the, Ingo, the contract. Exactly. And, like and you're so, the beast watching the petals fall off the flower, going, "Please." And so, <laughs> so, so much is on the line. No, it's true. It's a great. Point. And you had a great take yesterday about how underappreciated John Tavares is here. And, like, mm-hmm. I think it's a true one. But these net, we've talked about this for a couple of shows in a row here now. And I haven't got your take yet on it, Bunk. But these next two and a half years for John Tavares' legacy in Toronto are so massive. Because if they don't have any success, like, listen, if they go to a conference final with him as the captain, he's still lauded. Like, he'll be loved. You know, it won't be lauded. So he'll be loved throughout this city. Like, it'll be a huge conversation about what a great leader he is. But if they have one round win in his next little bit here, the legacy conversation with him is going to completely change versus what it would be if they went deep. Like, it's a huge swing time him for, for him now. Yeah. Um, I listen to you guys on Leafs Talk talk about it and Bourne reference Ray Bork, who is on my show tomorrow. Oh, um, but nice. I, but I also think that's actually wildly disrespectful to Ray Bork, Bourne, because he was so much better than Tavares. Yeah, Ray like, Bork's like yeah. one of the yeah. six yeah. best defensemen <laughs> yeah. ever. Exactly. It's like I, it's just like I was looking at his resume in preparation for the interview today and going, oh, my God. I know. This is, why don't we talk so about, much. <laughs> yeah, like why don't we talk about him just Ray like Ray Bork once has a week. 1,579 points in 1,612 no. games. 400. Yeah. 110 goals. As a defenseman. No. Uh, yeah, over no. almost almost 1200 assists. <laughs> no, Unbelievable I, career. I, it's funny because uh like yeah, weirdly we all think about him in Colorado, right? That's the first image that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. And and it always will be because he won. But that's how powerful cups are. Is yeah. you're right. It does that change your whole Bruins legacy. career and you think about him in Colorado. Yeah, I think about his Bruins career. I think about stills, like still images yeah. of him, you know, more than I think of highlights. Um, and granted, it was like a little bit before my time. Mm. What? what? What was that? I don't know. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. Oh, I heard like a noise. I thought it was like Brandeo. I was like, what was that? <laughs> Sorry, I said Mayday. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. There you are. Yeah, okay, yeah. I was like, I'm not going crazy, right? (laughs) You guys didn't hear anything? Like, that was... Yeah, anyway, I just... Yes, it would be massive for his legacy. I would say this, though. He's definitely... I I don't think he's under... 
appreciated so much as I actually think he's flat out disrespected. But he is just the, like, when I'm going to think about how the salary cap impacted the way that we view players, he will be, that will be his legacy. Because it's like, he's a point of game guy who came to Toronto. The thing that we dreamed about as Leaf fans, as, as kids, as far back as Lindros for me, and I'm talking about like Lindros in his prime, not when he showed up back then. It was like every player you'd be rumored of who's going to be the savior, who's going to be the guy that's not afraid of the pressure of Toronto and is going to sign here and do all these things. And he does it, right? He is the guy who does it. And you would think that automatically that would just have his legacy set in stone, right? A pure, dyed-in-the-wool, number one point-of-game center who scores a like, hellacious amount of goals, scored 47 goals his first year here. Yeah. 47. Yeah. 4 7. <laughs> and still, it's like when people talk about him, they go, Yeah, but the money. And you go, <laughs> What are you talking about? But it's, it's like, I can't blame fans for it because this hard cap has been the worst thing that could ever happen to the, and, like, to the NHL. In the NBA, they have it. You have bird rights. You can find your way around it. Your team can play it into the luxury tax. In the NFL, you have non-guaranteed contracts. You can cut guys. You can restructure salaries. You can figure out creative ways to kind of keep your team together. In this league, and in baseball, obviously, no salary cap. In the NHL, it's a nightmare. Like, even look at this Bo Horvat trade. Like, imagine this. Imagine having to be a Montreal fan, or sorry, a Vancouver fan, watching him get traded and going, huh. Or even being an Islanders fan, for that matter, where you get this trade where, really, you paid nothing. Like, okay, a first-round pick, maybe that turns out to be a good player. But you got someone who could score 50 goals this year. And the automatic reaction from so much of the fan base is, well, what's he going to get paid? Like, mm. it's so, so bad. And it's such a horrific thing for all these players because the only way that you can be loved is to either take way below your market value or for the team to luck into you on a rookie contract. Like, it well, sucks. Don't worry. don't worry. Bettman was named the 2023 recipient of the Sports Business Journal Lifetime Achievement yeah. Award today. Yes, he's amazing. He's so great. Just ask him. Like, he <laughs> ran a secret poll, and it said he's the most popular guy. <laughs> in Our North fan American research sports. says And they also that. said board ads were sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. All right. That's All right, Bunk. We got to get to break. Thanks so much for your time, buddy. Appreciate it. All Thanks, right. Bod. Love you guys. Talk Bye-bye. to you later. You too. All right, we're going to get to break here, and when we come back, we're going to talk with Thomas Hickey, former NHL and Islanders analyst for MSG. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL, the J.D. Bunkus Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Real Kipper and Born. I am Justin Bourne here with Sammy McKee. Some big breaking NFL news. Is that right? That if we were in the States right now, yes. this would be like, we'd have to explode our show. Oh, no. That uh, the Broncos are finalizing a coach trade to send Sean Payton to the, the Broncos. So he's he's now going to be the head coach of the Broncos. A coach trade? Yeah. Wasn't so he not coaching? Wasn't he in New Orleans and then Yeah, retired? but he was still under contract and he went oh. to Fox and he was on Fox and now they're going to trade him. To the Denver Broncos. Imagine if you could trade NHL coaches. You probably can. Why not? They've Uh, done it in the NBA. Doc Rivers went for a first-round pick. I don't think you can. That's honestly, like, we talk about hockey every day, but that is massive news in the States. That's going to be leading every single sports talk radio show. Anyways, just want to put that out there. It's a big one. Uh, Brandale, let me know when we got uh, Thomas. And we'll, uh, yeah. So, 
Oh, we, we have him right now. Perfect. Nice. Good stuff. Uh, we are now joined by Thomas Hickey, former, uh, former NHLer for the New York Islanders and Islanders analyst for MSG. Thomas, how you doing? I'm doing good, guys. How about yourselves? We're doing great. We appreciate you joining us today. Um, tell us, man, what's going on in uh, in Islanders land these days? Uh, Horvat has joined. Is everyone excited about this? Disappointed? What's the uh, what's the mood like around there? Well, it's it's extremely exciting. Um, you know, obviously, when there's something of this magnitude, uh, excitement's the first thing, and, and then I think. You know, I I speak for the players. They're losing a really good guy in Anthony Bavillier, a kid that, um, you know, came in, didn't really speak a lick of English. I was with him his his rookie year and and really grew into, you know, not a good, just a good player, but uh, a guy that's really beloved in that dressing room. So I I think that's probably on the minds. But the the big news from a fan's perspective, from an analyst perspective, is certainly getting Bo Horvat in. I think this is a group that, has struggled with injuries, um, struggle with scoring recently, mm-hmm. and this is a shot in the arm for a group that sits right outside the playoff spot that needs to find a way to get in, find a way to score, find a way to add speed and and get younger in a sense. I know they traded away young guys, but Bo Horvat's a young guy with uh, with a lot of miles left on him. So I think it's a really exciting time to, to think about how you can further your playoff chances in adding Horvat. I mean, I think... That's about as good as you can do. So what does that do for the room? Like you say, Bovillier is such a beloved guy and, you know, you're trading him out. You're bringing in like this impact guy. I guess it's sort of a wake up call in a way, but you're losing a guy. And then, you know, you have the new guy come in and what's people's relationship toward that him? Like what's the dynamic when a big trade like that happens with a beloved guy going out the other way? Well, I, I think a lot of times there's there's a bit of shock, and at the same time, this is a group with extremely high expectations, and you know not just internally, but I think coming into the year, um, you know, a lot of these guys expected big things, and they're not in the spot they are now. And when that happens, these changes happen, and you're a professional, and and you just have to go with it. And as far as the dressing room dynamic, no, I, I don't think it's going to hurt one bit. Um, you know, like I said, this is a business. Guys have been through it before. You've you, some guys get traded to places they love, and some guys have to leave places um, and, and go to new spots. So I don't think that there's any dressing room issues whatsoever. But uh, probably a ton of excitement, understanding that it's a business and you're you're losing a good guy. But from everything I've heard, you're you're also adding a quality quality guy, and you know a guy that was a captain in the NHL. At a, very young age in a tough market so if anything i think it will it will add a new dynamic to that dressing room is there any fear about the future for the islanders like him not resigning or giving up you know they haven't had many firsts and you know ratu was a prospect that you know was kind of you know they had hopes for or is this just pure okay the, you know we're focused on this year um and you know not too worried about the cost it takes to get better I think that's exactly it. Obviously, you trade away a first, you, you trade away one of your top prospects, and, and Beauvillier, as we talked about, the eye is clearly on on this season and solely on this season. Uh, th- this team's built to win now, just the way contracts are structured yeah. and everything, and the expectations are to do now. So I think that is the primary focus. Obviously, um, you, you lose those younger pieces, Um who knows if, if Horvat's going to be part of the future. I, I would assume um, that, that there would be 
a push to get that done or an interest. I'm speaking on speculation of myself, not from anything that I know, but you look at Lou Lamorello giving up uh, first, second, and third for J.G. Pajot, and, you know, he was signed right away. I, I'd be interested to see if, if this is something that, that they try to get. Maybe it takes a little bit of time, but you can certainly bet with the price that was paid um, and how highly they think of Horvat would be zero surprise at all if they wanted to keep him around long term. So maybe maybe that's something. And you've also got, you know, I, I'm sure Lou has thought this in, in very many directions. And if thirty, which I don't know, um, you know, there, there's other ways that it can go as this season goes on. And I know there's not long until the deadline, but there's alternate plans you could make. But I think it was made with the intention of getting this team in the playoffs, a team that management really believes in giving them that chance because they've proven once they get in that they that they can do big things so i think the focus was was strictly on what it, what does it do to our team right now in the immediate future to help us get where we want to be yeah that's perfect segue and what i was going to ask you about thomas is that this team as presently constituted like they came in here and they played the leafs the other night and the leafs played pretty well it wasn't that close of a game but you know you look at this roster and it's one versus where I look at the guys that are on it and, you know, you look at the goaltending, you look at the decor, they have tons of guys up front and like they now added Bo Horvat. It just really does feel like a team that maybe a little bit of an underachieving if they get hot here. It's not a team that you want to see in the first round of the playoffs. They can play that playoff style hockey that could give a top team a lot of trouble. Yeah, and you're right. And I, I think the challenge for the Islanders is getting there, getting into the playoffs. And I think... That's a group that, you know, I've had a front row seat watching them being part of the team going to back-to-back conference finals. Absolutely. That's a group that looks and feels different once the puck drops in playoffs. And, you know, it's been tough trying to piece it together and find the right combinations and, and everything in the regular season. But I, I think that's what this is in mind, that this is a team that's proven they can do serious damage. Doesn't matter if they're underdogs, underachieving, overachieving. Uh, I believe that Lou Lamoureux is very proud of what that, that group can do if given the opportunity in the playoffs, and this is helping them get to that point. Um, you know, and there's, like you mentioned, they, they do have skill. They've got quality players up front. It, it hasn't clicked offensively. They've missed pieces, and, and then perhaps this buys you a little bit of time to get some other guys healthy that have missed mm-hmm. a lot of time this season and, and really – fills out your roster but as you mentioned the bedrock of this team is certainly not goal scoring it's goaltending which has been if, if you have Ilias Roke in the net you've got a very good chance to win any game and you've got a good chance better than anyone in history of seeing a shutout when he's in net which is something he's recently done that people are talking about but he gives this team a chance to win absolutely every night and if you can add a goal you can improve your power play every night by making an addition like this you're just improving your chances so much in the short term what does it mean for uh matt barzal and just like position wise i mean horvat's a center barzal's played center nelson's center pajot zikas you got a lot of guys down the gut do you think they'll push him over to wing it may be um i'm interested to see what happens i i guess the biggest takeaway i would say is uh i believe it's february 6th they're back from the break Whatever line Bo Horvat's on, it's it's not written in permanent ink. I, I think there'll be a feeling out period and seeing where he fits best. There's there's no doubt that 
he, I mean, he's a Lane Lambert player. He's a Lou Lamorello player. He's, he's any coach's type of player because he's a two-way centerman. And, and I would envision him for sure playing in the middle. Uh, they, they've got so much depth with, with Nelson Barzell, Sizikis, and Pajot. They've moved Sizikis up to wing for stretches, uh, especially recently playing with Barzell. Barzell, I, I, I like him in the middle of the ice because the way he picks up speed, getting the puck in his own end, he, he can exit and enter the other zone maybe better than anyone, but he's really struggled in the face-off dot. And, and a lot of times his wingers coming in to help out on draws. So I wouldn't be at all surprised to see him maybe on the wing with, uh, with Horvat, but I don't want to speculate too much because I think there'll be a feeling out of, of who goes where. And, but the biggest thing is, yes, Matt Barzell, everyone knows how skilled he is. He hasn't played with someone consistently the entire season. And if he does click with Bo Horvat, you've just unlocked all the potential, all the things you see with Matt Barzell, his ability to set guys up to, to play with someone with the speed of Horvat and the finishing ability. That's what I would like to see from an analyst perspective, but mm-hmm. I think they're going to have a feeling out of where does it work out best? Who's going to slot over? What makes the most sense for this team? Cause they've got five very good centermen right now. Hey right, Hicks last one from us here. I want to get, you know, Bo Horvat's going to wear number 14. You know, my, my dad, Bob Bourne wore number 14. You wore number 14. <laughs> Is your heart broken? <laughs> what, how do you feel about the 14? Well, he's going to wear it much better than me, and I'm not sure if uh, you know if he wears it anywhere as well as your dad. That would be uh, that would be very well done. But uh, I, I just found out about that. I had I had a good laugh. Uh, some guys have worn it since me, and um, you know, six six letter last name that starts with H and fourteen. That's close enough for me. Maybe he can trick some people into thinking I still play. Or something. Yeah, that's great. All right, it. man. Well, thank you so much for uh, your time today. Wish you all the best, and uh, hope to get you on again sometime. You guys got it. All right. Take care. Thanks, Thanks man. There you have it. New York Islanders. Smooth skating, Thomas Hickey. Yeah. You know, there was, you know, so those years, those Islander years mm-hmm. were kind of your guys's leaf years with like Grabowski, Kuhlman, yeah. whatever, where they were like good Islander teams. Mm-hmm. You kind of had to talk yourself into guys a little bit. Yeah. And then didn't they sign Kuhlman? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Give yeah. him a lot of. Yeah, Kuhlman played there for. Well, didn't Grabo give. You go to the island, island. I feel like he maybe did too. <laughs> I, f- I feel like there may be a bit of crossover there. Yeah, yeah. but no, I uh, let's see. That's funny. The Coolman again. It's like that's twice that I've brought him up today. That's a, that's what you get if Kipper's not here. <laughs> he was a good player. He was. He was a good player. He scored thirty goals for the Leafs. Hard to believe. Thirty goals. He did. I think it was the second year at the Leafs he scored thirty goals. It's really hard to believe that that happened, but it did. That's impressive. All so, right. So we have one more Keefe clip. Yeah, that we didn't let's play. finish up our leafy stuff. And it was about, about Samsonov getting the run of games. So if we could uh, get that there, Derek, then we'll come off of yeah, it. Yeah, it's been really great how he's just kept a level head about it. You know, he, I think he made it known that when we played out in Washington, or whenever that was now, that uh, it was a game that, you know, he was nervous and uncomfortable in, and, and he looked that way in the net. And, but it was a chance for him to grow from that experience, knowing that there was going to be more uh, times where he would, be, he would be uncomfortable going ahead. And then there's another one the other night, right? He has a, you know, not a great night, and our team doesn't have a great night in front of him when he has to go in sort of unannounced or without preparation. And he has to bounce back from that against his old team, you know, the very next game. So uh, 
I thought he's he he managed that very well. I think he's managed it very well in the days in between in terms of just coming in with a good attitude and a good approach to to get to work and do what Curtis is asking you from him. So it's been really great to see him grow through this. So I have two ways you can go in this conversation. So which way do you want to start with? Um, Uncomfortable was the word that stood up for me. Right. That's twice that he brought it up, right? Yeah. So I don't like that. No. Right. That he's not uncomfortable. But (laughs) I don't like that. But the bounce back factor has been there with him. Mm -hmm. Right. And in years past with Washington, he'd have these unbelievable hot starts mm-hmm. where it's like he's 10-0 and 0 and he's looking like the best goal in the league. And then she goes and she don't and come she back. Gone. Yeah, she don't come back. <laughs> she gone. <laughs> it hasn't happened. Yeah. Like he has found a way to sort of level himself here. Like that game on Friday night wasn't his fault, I guess. Like you can be like, oh, the Leafs played like crap. They did, but six shots still entered the net. And, yeah. you know, I know some of them were not, they're not his fault. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not going to blame the goalie, but... If he was talking to you after the game, he'd probably say, I didn't like that. I'd like to not give up a touchdown. I would prefer that six shots didn't enter the net. So for him to come back the next night against a team that um, he he used to play for, has a good night, they win. Like, I think we are starting to see sort of developmental in the mental side of it. Mm -hmm. Like with him figuring out that he's the starting goal here. What is is this going to be for straight starts? Six straight starts? Seven straight starts? Like, how many times has he done that? I'll take that. I'll take that as a take. You know, when I first heard that clip, my initial thought was just, okay, so the things that made him uncomfortable were playing in a game against his old team. Yes. And playing in a game where he was the backup and asked to go in. Mm. What's that going to be like in game seven against Tampa in Tampa and the electric? Oh, you're giving them home ice? I just did in that scenario. And there's the lightning bolt shooting (laughs) from the Tesla coils in the sky. Can I say I've been to that arena? I I went went for a Leaf uh, lightning game. Yeah. It's jarring. Oh, really? You feel the electricity in the air, literally. Really? Like, it's like, like, you can really feel it. That's super won that cool. game. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> but so, Phil Kessel scored. you know, like, it's been a great series and the the world's crumbling down. You're down one nothing. You're in Tampa, whatever. Like, yeah. I don't want a guy who gets uncomfortable too sure. easily. For sure. And so it seems to me like playing your old team should not be a scenario. I, I know he's a new leaf in that scenario mm-hmm. and he's trying to, he's playing for his career really this year. So Absolutely. there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Maybe by then he doesn't feel like he's playing for his career and he's just playing for wins. But that initially made me be like, mm. I think if you're him, there is a comfort level now, unless there's some sort of catastrophic injury or whatever. But like, even if he does like get hurt, mm-hmm. He's going to get another contract next year. Oh, yeah. He has like, proven enough through 50 I, games of a season that he can play in the league well. He, he has established himself for the Toronto Maple Leafs in, with the most eyes on him, playing unbelievable on home ice where yeah. there's the most writers and most everything following him. To me, I think he knows already that yeah. he's going to get a big contract next year. Like, I, I, think don't, st- I don't know going into this year, though, that he knew that. For he's sure. He's played well enough to feel and that way I think way he's now. established himself now as a legitimate you know, in the top 10 conversation goal. Like, I know his numbers are probably all within the top 10 this year. Mm -hmm. I maybe wouldn't necessarily be ready to throw him into that. I think there's enough of a career sort of track record of him not being that to sort of put him in there, but he's entering that conversation. Like, listen, last week he beat Sorokin and Shesterkin in back-to-back games. Like, that's pretty impressive. And, you know, to your point, so he's in Toronto, he's in this big market Mm -hmm. playing for his career. The the biggest thing would be, 
you know, can you make these big saves, help us out? The top five in high danger save percentage. Jake Ottinger is fifth. Mm-hmm. Igor Shosturkin is fourth. You heard of him? Yes, I have. Okay. Andre Vasilevsky? Yes, quite pretty good. Pretty good. Linus Olmark? Quite good. Okay. And number one is Samsonov. It's been the best in the NHL not, at making those saves. No Canadian qualities in that, right? Not a Canadian to be found. <laughs> Concerning. Good, good catch. Concerning. A lot yeah. of... A lot of teams. A lot of Sorokin, Shosturkin, Vasilevsky. Oh, uh, Russian? Yeah. Sweden? Yeah. USA? Can it ever play those guys in hockey? <laughs> like, do Ooh. they ever go head to head with those it's a good guys? Thing no one ever plays best oh on best in Yeah, like I, I get exposed. Bunkus gets on me for how scared I am of other, other countries. He's like, "Do you forget that you cheer for Team Canada?" Yeah, and I'm like, "Yeah, you're the team with Crosby, yeah. McDavid, McKinnon, <laughs> yeah. McCarr." Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the goalie, the goalie. Yeah. Anyway, so I just, I think he's probably at the point now where he knows. He's established himself as one of the guys in the league. That's a good goalie, and he's outplayed Matt Murray. Matt Murray has his availability has now waned again, mm-hmm. right? Like it's now again where we're going into a thing. When's we going to see him again? He's got a lingering ankle. It's like ankle. Ugh! I yeah. rolled my ankle four years ago. Guess what? Still, still lingers. Yeah, <laughs> crappy old yes, ankle. There's I a little do. CK bit about yeah, that. It's uh, it just it doesn't. Yeah. So I I'm pretty interested to see in Samsonov for the rest of the year because I, I i i believe in him oh i know i know yeah. and i do believe in him because he's had, mean clifford last year he's had those moments where he's been really not good and he's had these swoons yeah but he hasn't gone into the depths where he's just no good where for a long stretch and, yeah he's gone down a little bit like he did against ottawa where yeah. he was no good Back up against the Capitals. Wednesday's a huge night for him. Yeah. And last bit of psychoanalysis, which, yeah. you know, not everyone loves on, yeah, yeah. on him is, you know, when we heard him come out and we called him Russian Jack Campbell because he was all over himself I, for some I, bad Oh, by play. the way, we never talked about that. That <laughs> you like created a thing. Oh, yeah. And it was like, people like, people are calling him. I am people. <laughs> <laughs> it was me. Yeah, people just are move calling. on. That's you. <laughs> I, at hockey one morning, a guy, he's like, ah, I Heard them. I heard someone call him the Russian Jack Campbell, and I was like, "Uh, "This guy." uh, That was probably you heard me say that. But part of that, I think, is that you know when you don't know language and nuance, Mm -hmm. you know good and bad. Yeah, you know the same way that I know them for French, and I would use bad. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's not really any way to delicately say, you know, you know, my expectations for my performance in that game were substandard. (laughs) You know, you're like, I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm I'm bad. I'm sad. I'm bad. I'm sad. What else do you need? Honestly, kudos to Sansonov because he's not clearly, clearly English is not his first language. Right. And win or lose. He's got smile. He goes out there, talks to the media. He's sad. He's bad. He's bad. I thought it was the most impressive thing. Like if Genny Malkin forever did not want to talk to anyone. And frankly, if you hear him now, I'm not sure he speaks it better than. Buddy, can I tell you? If I was playing hockey in Russia and they're like, hey, man. Come out and try. I'm like. I'm good. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to say. <laughs> Give me a decade in the league. And then yeah, we'll, like uh... even that, but like even towards the, like Hasek barely but towards the end of his career was speaking like good English. Yeah. It's just, English is hard. Very hard. It's a hard language. Credit to those people who. Uh... Credit to us who speak it. <laughs> no credit to those people who learn it. Is <laughs> what I was going to say. All right. So do you want to do Commissioner Gary Batman? Yeah. Do we want to go off the Leafs yet? Oh, we can. I, I just want to, I just want to run down what you think. Gary the, Batman. <laughs> Gary Batman. Thanks, what Joe What his accomplishment, his greatest accomplishment is. Is it not having the Arizona Coyotes sell out a 5,000-seat arena? Oh, boy. 
Is it the flat salary cap when, I don't know if you noticed this, but the NFL salary cap went up $45 million this year? So I did you see, hold on, carry on while you're talking. I'm going to find Is something. it creating divisions where the Toronto Maple Leafs are screwed every single year and have no chance of getting out of it? <laughs> oh, God. Is it the flat cap where no teams can make a trade and there's no fun transactions and that's one of the favorite things of all sports fans is transactions? That part is devastating. Is it the board ads? It's the board ads. Is it like, oh, it's these hockey, developed hockey in the South. You know, it's like, great. Oh, you put a bunch of teams in the South that don't sell out. (laughs) What a legacy. (laughs) Is it the multiple lockouts? Like, what is it? I, well, listen, there has been some failings, but he took them from the Outdoor Life Network to back on ESPN. Fair it was, enough. It was a bit of a journey to get there. I can't find it quick enough from, oh, here we go. Uh, Jeff Van um, mm. tweeted about the salary cap in other sports. And he says, the NFL hard cap has gone up 19.4% since uh, 2018-19. So, 19, that's a lot. Yeah, 19%. So, yeah, not bad. Um, the NBA is a soft cap, but it's gone up 22.8% since 2018-19. Wow. So about the same time frame, 20%. Um, the NBA is, sorry, NBA, NFL, and the NHL has gone up 4.8% over that same time. It's not good enough. No. I mean, we're getting getting smoked by these other leagues yes. where the players are getting. And so whatever it is those other leagues have done to help them bridge the pandemic years and mm-hmm. whatever else, you know, you got NHL players paying back escrow and whatever. And you're right. It's hurting the game. The, the Canucks have to take back Anthony Bavillier to make a trade. Just, you know, it's not, he's a bad player, but listen, I don't, I also don't want to sit here and be like hockey is as popular as football no, or as, well, you know, like in the States, I understand that that's part of it. It's popularity. It's eyeballs. All that stuff goes into it. But like, it's just, just so many things that I hate about the sport. I think this that are a direct result of what Gary Batman is that for his sorry yeah no sorry, I, gary listen people i'm sorry gary i don't know of any commissioner of a sports league where people are like that man does a good job everyone's frustrated all the time well, by certain things adam silver, adam silver had, he had a run is, there he did have a run when he first came in and he sent donald sterling packing and he was really doing a great job i'm not sure really any china of, turned yeah, it a yeah there was a little bit of that that cha- china, uh turned it and I'm trying to think of everyone hates goodell yeah, so Goodell is Goodell legitimately the most hate. Forty-five yeah, million a year, he does and he's not like, care. "Hate me." He does not care, and <laughs> no, he but bathing in money. And if Kipper was here, I would, bet you Kipper would stick up for Ben. Of course, and Kipper would say the right thing. He says he does not care what I think. No, he does not care what the players think. He doesn't care. The people he cares about are the thirty-two people that, that sign his checks. That's the owners. The money. Yeah, that's the, who he. That's who he serves. And. I think a fair point to be made was if you're saying that's Bettman's job, and if you look at the value of franchises over Bettman's tenure, and the percentage that they have increased is probably not that far out of line with NBA franchises. Like, you know, the, the Leafs are worth a lot billions mm-hmm. now, $2 billion. Yeah. And I watched that Ballard documentary, and he bought them for, cush- <laughs> you know, change he had in his cushions. I haven't watched that, movie, that yet, but I'm looking forward to it. It's tonight, some, tonight may be the night. Yeah. It's, well, you're not, you're not going to miss any great hockey tonight. No? No. It's well, a couple so, of lopsided affairs, although so the, I am on television. The question, I get serving the owners, and I understand that. And I guess maybe it's because a lot of the people that care about the ins and outs of the salary cap are in your markets that are going to be there regardless. Right. Like me. But see, I'm watching, this is the thing I think. I'm watching every, like Gary Bettman can do whatever the hell he wants. 
old Joe Smo that lives in Etobicoke. I think they've abused that though. For sure. They've There's no doubt. That, like, oh, Canadian fans will be there. Yeah, but like, I will be, they will be there. That's the thing. He can live under this assumption that they are going to be there. Like the Habs are still close to selling out. They stink. <laughs> they're horrible. And they're like, they're talking about, you know, somebody, Co- Canard, Pavard. I don't know. Yeah, no, like, so coffee's <laughs> out. Co- Caulfield's out. And they're like, can we interest you in Harvey Pinard? Yeah, Everyone's yeah, yeah. like, you sure can. Yeah, like, uh, they're, got, they're like, we got the Laval line. It's like, how about, cool. how about the Montreal line? <laughs> I just Do you have any Canadians? I think it's just, it drives me nuts. I think it just is a factor of me being selfish and being a Leaf fan that the league, the Leafs got paid legitimately $1 billion by Scotiabank for the naming rights of their arena. Is that true? So it was like $885 oh million. Dollars. Yeah. And they can spend, what, Not $80 million dollars on their team? Yeah. So it's like they have to... And I actually don't even think the the owner, MLSE, likes that. I'm sure they'd love to be able to spend another $20 million. Of course. And yeah. like, it's not like I'm saying they should spend the Dodgers and spend $400 million on their team. Right. But if they could spend $120 million yeah. on their team. Yeah. And they could be like, you know what? We don't have to have the conversation be like, you know what? Zach Hyman... You do get to play here. Yeah, you'd love to have five teams against the salary cap jammed up against it because they're in all-in years and they've kept Hyman, McKayev, and Connor Brown. I'm just quickly pulling up cap-friendly here and talk amongst yourselves while I'm doing this. But all these teams, look at like LTIR, which is kind of like a luxury tax. People use it that way now. If anyone has a Vegas has four, four people on it. Montreal, nine. Edmonton, four. Washington, five. Tampa Bay, one. Shocking. Leafs, (laughs) six. Florida, three. Vancouver, four. Four, three, seven. Down the list, it's like they're already screwing with you. But you know what's actually... They're loopholing you to death. What's most interesting about that is all those teams you named are the teams that are up against the cap, the top 10. You look at the teams at the bottom, and there's no one on LTIR for the bottom 10 teams because they're not... They don't have to worry about the cap, so they just... Which goes to show you how many people are on the cap. Which is the wink, wink, nudge, which nudge. is the exact reason that the luxury, the luxury tax. tax is perfect. Yeah, and you take the money from the luxury cap that the rich teams give you, and you give it to the poor teams. You take from the rich. <laughs> it's Robin Hood, baby. It's not this. It's a pretty simple thing. Take from the rich, give it to the poor. Yeah. Man. All right. Anyways. Um, William Nylander named second star of the week in the National Hockey League with four goals and three assists in four games. Mm-hmm. Give him a little shout out there. I I love that he's getting some recognition. Mm-hmm. God, I, I mentioned him on TV the other day, doing uh, Nick what Ehlers bit. So it's doing the Jets game. Mm-hmm. My segment's on Ehlers, and mm-hmm. I say... He reminds me a lot of William Nylander. You know, Nylander's had a breakout That year. is the most... Fair take of all time. They looked. They honestly look so similar when they Pe- play hockey. People do not like if you are covering. So this is actually a thing I'm, I've learned. Okay. If you are covering a game out of the Leafs time zone, mm-hmm. it's not a Leafs game. They get upset if you mention the Leafs. Oh yeah. Leafs net makes sense. Is the joke makes sense? I get it. Right. Whatever. Yeah, it's fine. But it's a they val- hate us because they ain't. <laughs> it's a valid comparison to say that Eli, you know, Ehlers and Willie both circle the net with the puck. Edgework behind. City. Yeah. Beautiful skaters, both of them. And both of them have created a lot of controversy over how much ice time they should get because Ehlers gets sixteen fifty a game, which mm-hmm. was Willie forever. Yep. And people are like, you know, he's the highest points per 
60 guy in the NHL is Nick Ehlers. And so the fans are like, why didn't he get 20 minutes? Well, you know, it's all the stuff that Willie used to do that he still does defensively. And, you know, there's a reason maybe like that the really good coach, Rick Bonus. And also Palmer's played him the same way, 16 some minutes. And it's, and he's getting a lot of points. Why screw with? Yeah. It's, it doesn't necessarily mean if you play more. If you play 60 minutes, you don't keep up your points yeah, for 60. Yeah, yeah exactly. He's 3.5 points for 60. He's not going to get three and a half if in a 60-minute game. If you, play him, if you play him 22 minutes a night, maybe two extra goals go in your net the other way. Right. You got you to kind of balance it out. So I, I'm happy that you just mentioned Willie Nealander, him getting the recognition. But I will say that I hate the conversation about the All-Star game and him not going. And then people, so people crap all over the All Star game. It's like yeah. it's the stupidest That's thing. Us, it's like right, yeah, yeah. We've been and, doing that. which is, I mean, watch it on our network and let's do it on the fan, of course. Yes, of course. We're gonna watch. Yeah, I'll be watching it Friday and Saturday. I don't have dinner plans either of those nights. <laughs> um, but uh, like, you can't be mad that he's not at the All Star game, and then crap on the All Star game. Good point. If you it can't doesn't talk matter, about, you don't get to care. Yeah, like if you care, if you're grinding over the three on three tape and watching them shoot meat pucks into a gator mouth, <laughs> then then you can then you can care. But it's still can, a euphemism for something. Yeah. I haven't figured out what yet. I just I don't. I saw a lot of people being pissed off about it, but they also crap all over the All Star game. So sure, he deserves recognition. Yeah, but like I think he's going to be fine in Cabo. He is going to be fine in Cabo. I was actually wondering about our boy Samsonov while we were talking about mm-hmm. it. Like if his reputation pre-Toronto was, you know, not keeping it on the rails entirely. Yeah, does yeah. He, how are seven days off going to go? I, nah. I I wonder how it would be. I You know, the all-star break, you're just, it must be really, really nice to like, have a break. You know, it's nice to have a break from any job. But like when you're an NHL or. You can't let it go. Your, and, your cardio and everything because it sucks when you come back. You got to. Not even that. Like, if you're Mitch Marner, you're like, you know what's really fun? Playing sick hockey in the NHL. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, like, I'm really good at hockey, and every night I'm yeah. the best guy, one of the best guys of the night on the ice. Like, But if thinking, I can tell you, in, yeah. in my experience, yeah. you know, the worst part about it is that hockey is a structured life mm. to a gross degree where it's like, here's your itinerary. The bus leaves at 10. Yep. You know, the flight leaves at this time, mm-hmm. meals at this time, pregame skates this time. You fit in your nap here. And it's like that for like 200 days in a row. I know. So it has nothing to do for me with the hockey part, which I'm sure he loves. Yeah. And just being able to be like, I slept in till 10 and I ate a bowl of ice cream for breakfast. And apparently Nancy Pelosi does that. I read that today. I don't know. It's a weird thing. Bowl of ice cream Chocolate for breakfast? ice cream for breakfast every day, apparently. Anyway. Um, but it's getting, it's just breaking the routine yeah. that I think is the nice part. Yeah, I get that. I get that. But By the I way, think- JT saying he's going to Tremblant and yeah. taking his kids skiing. Uh, to me, I was like, that sounds, his kids are three and two. It's going to be hell. I, I heard him say that. I'm like, don't ski. No. I know. Well, I, I actually, I think it's in his contract that he can't. Yeah, so, so take, him, I, take I, him to the bunny hill and, like, stand there. I was curious there. about that because, like, it, in my college scholarship, if I broke an ankle skiing, yeah. I would have lost my scholarship. That was part of the deal. You can't do extreme sports <laughs> while we're paying you $11 million. extreme sports. Yeah, he's like, I'm going to wear a squirrel suit and <laughs> jump off a mountain, and everyone's like, hold on, what are you doing? I'm going to go paintballing. <laughs> you know, where's the line of what you can and can't so, do with this time off? Go sit in a beach. So I got a question. Chalet, ice, maybe. Ice cream and for the breakfast. It yeah. stuck with me. Are you one of those, it's like, can't have anything, like, at weird times? Like, if it's like, if you had a, for example. Like, Don't tell me what I can eat when. Yeah. So, 
you know, if there's like a birthday cake in the house or whatever and I wake up and it's there, it's like, I'll have a piece of breakfast. I'll eat time. beef doesn't stew matter. for breakfast. It doesn't matter. It doesn't face me. Time's just a construct, baby. <laughs> I'm glad you feel the same way as me. <laughs> I really do, but I do get a lot of looks from my wife and she's like, you're eating the Chinese food for breakfast? And I'm like, just, it was easy. Like, what about a, like, what about like a pop in the morning? Because well, people get really bent out of shape about that, yeah, too. Yeah, I'm not above it. Yeah, me neither. I don't care. All right. Yeah. Pop in general is kind of gross, but it just, it, it's not my favorite thing. But, like, people are like, you'd have a pop for breakfast? Yeah. It's like, why is that so weird? Why can't I? Yeah. Didn't Anyways. Good so, talk. I actually, I will say, Kipper yesterday was talking about superstitions. Once in college, I ate an ice cream sandwich on the way to the rink and scored twice. So, I did that for, like, a year. Terrible plan. But I was just like, yeah, it works for me. Love that. Thank you. Um, so, you mentioned playing it in college. Mm-hmm. I saw an unbelievable video on Sportsnet's Instagram or Twitter. I don't even know where I saw it. I think yeah. I sent it to you via Instagram. Yeah. And it was a, a rink mm-hmm. with a stair thing that kind of was like a trap door down to the ice, and the guys had to, like, shake it down, and the, the one guy almost fell down the store. The attic stairs yes. where you pull them down, and they kind of unfold. And the, and the rink was, like, really almost looked like a fever dream. Yeah, and I, I, it looked like you could blow it over. Yes. If you're the big bad wolf, could ruin your skin. <laughs> it had like 70s nets where they're not very deep. Like it's just <laughs> oh, like those like super that. short nets. So I really recommend anyone listening or watching on YouTube to go to Sportsnet's uh, Instagram or Twitter or whatever to watch this video. Yeah, but it got me thinking: what is the weirdest barn you've played in? Because you've probably played in a lot. You played in you know Alaska and yeah. Can you think? Yeah, no. So I mean, there's a couple of weird ones, and one of them is not Alaska. Yeah. It's that. I know some really rich people in Kelowna. Oh. And they just have one. And it's a small, wow. like, in their backyard, and they pay to keep it. Who are you, Ben Ennis? <laughs> it was in Boney. <laughs> like, the whole thing functions, and they just be like, oh, yeah, if you want to go use that, that's just like a. So there is this, it's a trip to just be like, this is your rink. You just go out there. Like, I know actually Jerome McGinley used to I would be rent there it from them. All day, every day. To stay away from everyone. Yeah. But, like, imagine the level of income. To just go on your backyard arena. Buddy, I know what my league fees are for <laughs> my beer league. So I know what it costs to keep a rink going. A rink. Yeah, it's not cheap. What about you? You played all over Ontario, I'm sure. I played in Pembroke. So I used to play yeah. with my dad, Andy, AMAC. We used to play in the MNR Ministry of Natural Resources tournament every year. Yeah. And we got to play in I played in Sudbury, North Bay, Pembroke, all over northern Ontario. And I think the, it was the Lumber Kings that uh, Keith used to be the yep. coach of. Owner, coach. So I played at that arena. Yeah. And the boards were, the, the, sorry, the, the benches were on opposite sides. Oh, that's classic. So yeah. you could imagine what in the early 1900s games in Pembroke looked like. <laughs> yeah. So they could Good not. Good to have them on opposite sides. But it changed the game so much, Borny. Yeah. Oh, there's, there's not the same, like, energy, flow, right? but, but, like, even in the flow of the game, the guys are changing from across. Yeah. And it's like they're, it's a really. Strategically, as a coach, you would have to keep It's a completely different game. Yeah. Honestly, the way they're changing. So I, well, that, breaking out, you'd be like, let's bring it up our side because our guys are just coming on the ice there or whatever, yeah. you know, like. Yeah, it's, it's very weird. The, so that, uh. Uh, I've got another one for you. Let me have it. Yeah, so uh, Chilliwack Chiefs uh, in the BCHL had a rink that was boards up, you know, dashers up to the normal height, and then, like, indented like the glass would be, then boards up to your head for just for concussions, and then glass up for the fans, and the fans sat on top of you, and the boards were made of steel, and that extra bit of boards... I mean, it, oh my God, concussions that is and broken shoulders. Legitimately and, the worst design in the history of sports. And they were big 
and mean, and it was awful. We played there in the final. We lost there in the final my uh, rookie year and won there in the final my second year. Oh, my God. But death, just death boards no all fun. over the place. It is fun. Well, yeah. shout out, and the last one I'll do is shout out Allen Ford Arena. I don't even know if it's still standing. About 20 minutes rolling sound. Uh, tractor Zamboni. Ooh. Uh, what is it, like pull a thing? Yeah, or? just like pulls like a... Dish rag. <laughs> Pulling around a broom of water, basically. Yeah. And uh, in the corner, like, it was, wasn't was glass. It was mesh. Like, oh, it was sort of, yeah. like, steel mesh around. Like chicken wire type yes. of thing. And, but the thing is, shout out, best ice in the world. Yeah. It was, you had to wear, like, six undershirts under your thing because it was just freezing cold. Mm-hmm. But that ice is just flat, smooth, perfect. Just like uh, Ben Ennis, who's about to go on, is trying to do in his backyard. Sullivan Arena in Anchorage, Alaska was my home rink. And they just, like, you know, keep the doors open once yep. in a while. But it was like skating on diamond. They oh. go out there and kick a puck the length of the oh Olympic God. ice. And it, oh. There's no better feeling than that. Nothing better. Thank you so much hey. for joining me. Maybe you'll be here tomorrow. I don't Hashtag know. Sam Cam. <laughs> Sam Cam in real life. <laughs> Love it. Thanks to Bunk. Thanks to Hickey. Thanks to Ralphie. Um, and yeah, we will be back tomorrow. We'll find out if it's Kipper or Sammy. In the morning. <laughs> we'll see you then. Thanks a lot.